Hello, my name is Sarah Sloan, and you're listening to The Sarah Sloan Show. Don't spin around too much or you're going to get dizzy. I'm joined here with my father, and we are going to discuss the news. Um, I found this clip on Sky News Australia, and I wanted to start off with that because it was a little bit about the the betrayal that France was feeling uh, with the submarine deal that went on between the UK, the US, and Australia. And it's just been an interesting story that I've been hearing more and more about. So I liked what this guy had to say, because obviously he's from Australia and has a better perspective. Mm -hmm. On to uh, the fallout from Scott Morrison's trip, the quad meetings, uh, the AUKUS arrangements. Um, How successful do you think it was uh, getting the quad together and what they ended up deciding on? Look, I think it's very important. I mean, this is, this was the first in-person, face-to-face leaders meeting. That alone is worth its weight in gold. And so they were able to talk through a whole range of issues because, yes, this is a security and defence arrangement, but this also deals with climate change and it also deals with COVID, among other issues. So it was very important event. And for Australia's security, you, you cannot overstate the value of the Quad because this is an alliance of the democratic states with blue water navies. America, Australia, India, and Japan. And obviously, maritime security is vital when it comes to the unspoken or unsaid foe, which is China. Now, that's one of the interesting things about the Quad meeting at the White House. This is all about China, but that's the one country's name you did not hear uttered. Hmm. They just stress the importance of rights of navigation and following a rules-based international order. Look, there's a lot of work to be done on the Quad, and but I would predict that we're going to see an increase in things like Australian military personnel training and doing exercises with Indian military personnel, for example. Perhaps moving eventually to some kind of interoperability where we can work with the Indians as easily as, say, we work with the Americans. What about um, the challenges now of getting the French back on side? We know that President Biden has spoken to Macron. They've, they've buried the hatchet, or so it would seem, uh, or made movements towards that. It's a different story for Scott Morrison, though. But, but now I read over the weekend, Michael, that they want a $66 billion payout when it comes to that torn up submarine contract, which which is insane. Yeah, look, that's, I can almost assuredly say that that's not going to happen. And I've got to be honest, that's not what the French are really upset about. You listen to what their foreign minister has said, you listen to what their officials are saying, They're not upset about losing the defence contract. They have an incredibly robust um, military um, industrial um, capacity. So, yes, no one wants to lose a subcontract like this, but that's not what this is about. Their industries will move on. This, for them, 
has been about the fact that they were left out of the loop. That's really what's enraged them. And that's what President Biden conceded to the French president. He said that perhaps we could have done this with some more transparency. Because at the end of the day, that's where France's grievance is, that it was not included in these strategic discussions that affects an area, the Indo-Pacific, where they are Europe's most significant military presence. And Australia has to be very careful. We can't afford not to start re-engaging with the French because the English will continue to do so. The Americans have already started doing so. And we can't afford to jeopardise our relationship with the French over this subs deal. And we don't want to be the only ones who don't re-engage. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've just never heard it put that way. It's really hard sometimes to get yourself in the mind of another country and their interest in the way they're thinking. It's obviously easy to put ourselves in the perspective of the U.S. because we've lived here all mm. of our lives. So they're they're really seeing it as this alliance, French, U.S., India, um, which, yeah, it is interesting that India is even included in that. And they're really trying to take on China. Yeah, I guess the key is countries that have ocean. Yeah. <laughs> you know, basically. And, yeah, it, it's fascinating. I didn't really even understand the quad. And, you know, so that's very informative as well. And, uh, well, the whole thing with France yeah, definitely bad communication, lack of transparency, leaving them out, which, you know, doesn't feel very far from betrayal. It just doesn't, from, from, I've heard different things about it, but um, one thing I heard was the U.S. was offering an, a better alternative with their submarines mm. to Australia, you know, lower price, things along those lines, you know, to the point where Australia felt like they had to pick the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, that could be communicated. And, mm -hmm. yeah, the transparency. It's just like, why are things being done in the dark with countries that you trust? Right. It's odd. Yeah, inclusion. You know, don't just break the deal, turn around, make the new one, and then, and then they hear about it, and they weren't included in it at all, or at least in the communication of it. Definitely. And then it, it, it is interesting as well seeing kind of how the media is portraying who to blame. Mm. And I feel like our media is really enjoying blaming us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it seems odd. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, it's just like, oh, the U.S. is awful. The U.S. media speaking about the U.S. Mm. But in reality, you know, we were probably the we were the better alternative. I think probably more of the blame should go to Australia if we're going to blame anybody. Yeah. They were, were the ones doing the full purchase. Well, if they were the ones that were negotiating with France and then they broke off, they broke their deal, then, you know, they would be the one in a sense because they're the ones that had the deal with France and then broke it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. But I don't know if, uh, oh, you were going to say something well, else. Just the key point of all this, I guess, is China. In, yeah, in China's words, the biggest enemy. <laughs> yeah, you know the the only reason you need this alliance is because of China. They're, they're a huge threat, and they've got a huge navy. So, and then of course, like the guy said, nobody mentioned that in the meeting. Right. 
nobody wants to talk about it. Right. Yeah, the Chinese probably had recording of it anyway. So. Yeah, and then with this story, I don't know if China has a part to play. I would guess they do, but we've been hearing about at Costco, they've been saying you can only buy certain amounts of products, you know, toilet paper, cleaning supplies, and they're limiting customers. And then even Nike as well, they're basically saying start buying Christmas gifts now. Not because there isn't a supply. It's more about the uh, the logistics and the, the, the supply chain issues. So it's like the port, they're having port delays, container shortages, which I've been hearing about these container shortages. Basically, there's there's tons of containers. And these are those metal containers that if you've ever seen in the ocean, mm-hmm. they have them on the on a ship and all these metal containers with products that we eventually use. They're all there and they have tons of these containers. Uh, but they're, for some reason, I don't really get it, but they're not being used. They're not being uh, delivered, transported. Mm. I don't know if it has to do with COVID, but... Uh, yeah, it's really causing a lot of disruption to the supply chain. So we have the product, but it can't get to the store. Mm. So it's really hurting people. Yeah, I've heard, of course, of all these ships off the coast of L.A. and that they don't have drivers and transport in place to move the stuff. So therefore, the ships have to just sit out there so sad Mm -hmm. um and then it's at nike uh basically with their shoe factories in vietnam 80 percent of them are closed and nearly 50 percent of the apparel factories are closed Mm. so that hurt them yes uh like i think the day before their shares went down 6.3 percent and uh, yeah it's just gonna hurt them as a as a company (laughs) (laughs) wow it's interesting, you know, you think of things like toilet paper and then you think about Nike shoes, you know. Both so essential. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think I could I could go a few years in my, my shoes, you know. They, well, especially without Nike. Like, <laughs> I, I think we'll be fine without Nike. <laughs> right. You, you know, shoes are something that you can, you can go quite a while without, you know. At some point, you know, you're vehicle has to be replaced uh, yeah obviously shoes depending on how many you have if, mm-hmm. if you've got a good supply you can go for many many years yeah and you're a man speaking for women <laughs> they probably live a little <laughs> differently <laughs> that's true like i need my shoes now <laughs> <laughs> even, women, it, even your nikes right we, it's really flats flats that you yeah. use at work they get nasty over mm, time right they're they're dumb shoes that all women have to wear because they're considered fancy. And yeah, they just get gross. And then you got to replace them. Even though the sole hasn't really worn down, it's mm. sad. Mm. Women's shoes are a pain in the rear. <laughs> uh, so Trump, he is, uh, he basically had a Georgia rally. And it's always fun. If he has a rally, I like to regularly just play a clip of him speaking mm-hmm. in his honor. So so last one was Alabama, and now he's moving down to Georgia. And yes, and he had a lot to say. This clip will not really talk about that, but he had a lot to say about the Secretary of State mm-hmm. and uh, Kemp, the governor. Uh-huh. I think at one oh. point he, he even said Stacey Abrams uh, probably would have done a better job, <laughs> <laughs> oh which is pretty, you know. That's pretty low. Yeah, it is pretty low. <laughs> 
Okay, so let's listen to the clip. We surrendered our forts and air base in Bagram. You know, we were going to keep the air base because it's right, right next to China. And their military institutions and their installations, and they have a lot of things surrounding it. And we had this big, beautiful air base that cost billions of dollars to build. And we were gone. We didn't even turn out the lights. And one day we were gone. And you know who's looking at it now and who's all over it? China! We were never leaving that. We had a perfect plan and they were listening to us. Abdul, Abdul, you can't shoot our soldiers. You know what? For 18 months, we didn't have one soldier killed. They listened to me. I said, you can't do it, Abdul. We'll hit you harder than you've ever been hit. You can't do it. And he understood that and he left us alone and we would have never moved our military out first. We would have never, they would have gone last. First Americans, then our people that deserve to come out, of which, by the way, the people that came out are not the ones that they were talking about. That was just like a mad rush. But uh, Abdul understood that he was not going to do anything to us and we would have taken our soldiers out last. We would have bombed our five bases and we were going to occupy Bagram for a long time to come. And it would have been so good. But this guy, they just took the military out first. That's like the captain of the ship, much more severe. By the way, if a captain of a ship goes, you say, all right, he didn't have guts, but it's not going to affect it too much. They took the military out first. And that's why you have those 13 empty seats right there. That's why, because they took the military out first and they created a void. And the Taliban said, what's going on? I can just see Abdul. He gets a call or a message that said, the military has left. He said, you're nuts in their language. You, there's no way. Sir, the military has left. They've abandoned, they've surrendered, they've quit, whatever the hell he said. And I guarantee he said, there's no way that happened. Nobody could be that stupid. They're smart, you know, they're good fighters. The Taliban, the Afghans generally are very good fighters. Very good, among the best, actually. And they said, no, no, he did. And they sent a group in and they said, you know what? The military is not there anymore. That's why we had to bring people in that weren't even familiar with all of it. They weren't, they brought those 13 great people and many that are wounded, very seriously wounded. They brought them in among others. They moved. This Millie is an idiot. I got to know him. He's an idiot. Okay. They moved the military out first. Let's get the military out. And then after that, we'll negotiate for hostages. Okay. And let's leave them $85 billion in America's finest weapons and latest equipment. And he abandoned hundreds of American citizens in enemy occupied territory and the press is trying to play the whole situation down like it never took place because they are among the most corrupt people in this country. Yeah, they definitely are. I'll finish the rest of the clip, but, um, you know, I, I love the fact that he's restating this because that's a problem. If we forget this happened, mm -hmm. then we're going to let Joe Biden win again. And I think that would be the biggest consequence. And then remember, this also happened. They gave a list of people to the Taliban 
that worked with the Americans, that helped the Americans. They gave detailed information about them so the Taliban could easily go and retaliate against them. Just terrible. You know, you think of how short our memory is. Uh, you know, you can almost guarantee that this will not be considered leading up to the midterms. You know, we, we can hardly hold on to a story for two or three months, much less over a year, you know. So it does need to be, uh, you know, we need to be reminded. It needs to be reviewed for the people. And, um, you know, it's not something that should be easily forgotten. It really has been a disgrace. And the consequences will live on. Maybe those will be reminders for us because, um, you know, we need to be reminded. Maybe ongoing consequences is the only way that that could really ever take place because the media is never going to do it. No, no. And that's what Trump is about to lead into, the Mm. way the, the press has handled it which is pretty disgusting. Mm-hmm. You know, they were starting to get on, on to Biden, and now it's just boom. Right. Nothing. Even though COVID. even though there's stuff that's still happening there. Mm-hmm. I think I saw something about them, the Taliban hanging four people. Mm-hmm. And this is that's nothing for them. Right. It, to get to the place in your mind where you would do something like that to a person, to mm-hmm. hang a person, mm-hmm. that's pretty dark. And disgusting. And that's just second nature for them. Oh, yeah. That's just normal. And yet we give those people a list of those that worked with the Americans. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You don't even see it anymore about Afghanistan. They don't talk about it. They don't talk about it. But I will. The Democrats are after me with prosecutors and everything else they can think of. Like, they want to make sure that I just be quiet. But you know what? They want to silence me just like they've silenced so many others. It's one of the reasons we don't get the support we should from a lot of very good Republicans, but they're not as brave as they have to be. And others are in agreement with us, but they're afraid. The people we're dealing with are evil and angry and destroying our country. They're destroying our country. And they want to go after me because I have, they think, a big mouth. I don't have a big mouth. You know what I have? I have a mouth that tells the truth. I have a mouth that wants to save our country. Now Biden is bringing into the United States tens of thousands of unvetted, unscreened Afghan nationals who never worked with the Americans before, including those with child brides. They have a child bride, 13, 14 years old. And we're going to resettle them, I guess, with the child bride. Are they doing that? With the child bride. A lot of those people that rushed the planes are not the people that worked with us. They're people that wanted to get out. You're going to see some bad things happen over the coming years. Yeah, so... He, he <laughs> he's always so fun to listen to. I really yeah. could. I could just listen to him forever. <laughs> oh boy, you know it. It um, it is refreshing. Um, you know, I I guess I've mentioned before just the way in which the press has succeeded, sadly, in vilifying him, and 
um, you know, they're really able to do it to anyone they want. It does take time, however. And, you know, the sad part is that it, their false and twisted messages were so received by moderates and even many conservatives and uh, who believe lies about President Trump to the extent that there's still so many people in a very large percentage of our country that is trying to weigh between Biden and Trump. And that really shouldn't be uh, much of a contest. It, it should be pretty clear. Yet, because of the lies um, portrayed about Trump and how much these people have entertained them and believed them, you know, that they still question whether Biden is as bad as Trump. So that's, that's, I think, very problematic, you know, for us. And that's why there's a lot of folks that believe we would do better with another uh, person than Trump, you know, because of, of that effect. You know, to me, it's crystal clear, you know, who Trump is, what he's done. I, I never drank deeply of the lies that were, were poured out by the media, but I can see that many have, unfortunately. Yeah, one thing that I always think of whenever I'm thinking of the media's portrayal of Trump, obviously I listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and we see the way that the media vilifies him and makes him sound like a total idiot. Like he's always taking horse dewormer to... Uh, to be free of COVID and all that. It's just absolutely ridiculous. So they make him sound like an absolute nut. And and I like him. I, I think he's a great guy, and I like what he has to say. Um, my frustration sometimes is the way he talks about Trump, he knows the way the media portrayed him. He even has talked about suing CNN, yet he believes the media's portrayal of Trump. So it's just absolutely ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's just like you saw what they did to you. Right. Why are you trusting them whenever it comes to Trump? They they can they give you the same treatment. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Trump, of course, has had the five-year-plus treatment and heavy-duty treatment, you might say. Joe Rogan hasn't had that. You know, he's just had bits and pieces here and there. But it seems like when they give you this five-year-plus treatment, heavy-duty there's just so many of our people that buy it mm -hmm. and now cannot be convinced otherwise and now still believe Trump was worse than Biden. You know, and, and that obviously is some kind of derangement, but, but they, they've accepted it. It's just too much uh, credence given to the media. Definitely. It is encouraging and, you know, it's anecdotal and it's on social media, but like there was an Instagram post and it was talking about the, gosh, I always forget the names of the awards. It might've been like the Oscars or the Emmys, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. One of those acting movies, getting awards for that. And the, the Instagram post, it was, I think NBC or ABC. And they were saying something along the lines of there were no people of color that won any of the awards. And so instantly the left, wow, that's, oh my gosh. That's awful, blah, blah, blah. So I went to the comments expecting to see that, what I just explained. And instead, what I saw, which was encouraging to me, was 
okay, so people of color didn't do a good job acting. How about they do a better job next time? Or what does this, what does the actor's color have anything to do with them getting awards? Or I, th- I thought this was to fo- uh, about focusing on who did a good job, um, blah, blah, blah. And it was just constant mm. uh, of those comments. And it was so encouraging to me. It's just like, why is this got to be about race? Why is this got to be about race? So, and like I said, I know that's anecdotal. I know there's a lot of people that don't believe that way, but it was encouraging to me to see that. And mm-hmm. I think there was another social media post that I saw that was along the same lines as well. Um, yeah, it was something with Vice News. And it was, I think it was also something, oh yeah, it was about the whipping, mm-hmm. uh, the Border Patrol whipping the people. And they're like, uh, a lot of people were saying, this has been discredited. The photographer himself said he didn't see anybody getting whipped. Wow, Vice News, I used to really pay attention to you guys. And now you guys are just junk and everything. So Wow, that's great. So it's nice to see some people mm-hmm. have clear heads yeah, and they can come to their own conclusions. Mm. I, I have read a lot of uh, comment sections like that as well. They've been largely conservative and pretty clear thinking people that, you know, occasionally you'll get, uh, you know, two or three, you know, that are kind of going the other direction, but the dominant thread is conservative. It's nice. And I think that that's really what it is. I think that we, we have a much, uh, we're really not as small of a minority as we believe that we are. We really aren't. I was looking at the crowds that were at that Georgia rally. Trump has not been president for many months now. People still care. Mm-hmm. And he, in his, this is just in the name of saving America. That's what he, he calls these rallies, Saving America. And there's all these people that are there that are in full support. And then we see um, all the media companies that continue to profit, the numbers of the Fox News shows. They're doing well. Mm. And it's because we are not really in the minority like the left leads us to believe we are. Mm. That's interesting. So, I, I, yeah, I'm... I'm the, the point is, we shouldn't always be discouraged. Sometimes we should have hope. Mm-hmm. and we should be a bit more optimistic. We have not lost any battle, you know. Right. You know, obviously the Newsom recall was not encouraging to us, no. nor, nor the numbers thereof. Never know 100% for sure <laughs> if it was accurate. True. I think, I believe there's a Virginia governor's race coming. Okay. And doesn't look too good for us. Um, you know, in other words, McAuliffe or whoever his name is, uh, I think is in the lead in all the polls. And But largely that's become a blue state. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, there, there's always going to be some bad news for sure. That's but, just life. You know, in a sense, we kind of need to hold fast until next November. Not this November, but next November. That's when a lot of things are, you know, going to come to light uh, because, you know, leading up to elections and, you know, you can feel like you're way behind in things, but, and then the polls can twist things and you're not really sure what's going on. Um, but I, I think there, there could be some good news coming uh, next November. Good. Yeah. Let's stick with that then. Um, So let's go to the verse. It's going to be Psalm 34, verse 13. 
Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Mm. Keep your tongue from evil. Yeah. And that, that, that's a very active choice that we have. And there's two roads. There's the road of righteousness and the, the path of destruction. What are we going to do? Mm. Mm. And... Yeah, a lot of times I have some trouble myself. So <laughs> it's it's not easy, uh, but just constantly asking God to help us and to be with us instead of doing it in our own strength is really good. Mm-hmm. And then seeking peace. Mm-hmm. And peace, that could be all kinds of things in our lives. You know, the Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm. So, you know, we don't just try to say the right things if our you know our thoughts our heart are kept pure and we're you know thinking rightly then right things will come out and we won't be speaking evil or deceit and and then of course you usually do pretty well on defense if you're on offense and that is pursuing peace so you know you don't just try to control your mouth and what comes out of it don't speak evil don't speak evil no how about you focus on peace and pursue it and in that way there'll be no thought of evil you don't need to mess around with talking bad when you're pursuing peace yeah like what you fill your mental space with mm-hmm. is, is it going to be good or evil because yeah obviously that's what's going to come out yeah well hope you guys enjoyed the show and learned a lot. Uh, Stay safe out there. Goodbye.